The year is 2022 and the streaming crisis has begun. Too many services to choose just one. Two brave souls have stepped to the forefront to bring you recaps of horror movies from the old times. Step into our theater for some audience favorites, some B-horror recaps, and maybe even some movies you never even knew existed. This is the Beauty and Dickeast Podcast. movies so that you don't have to um as always it's your two fabulous co-hosts i am pat the geese along with abby scott the beauty i don't give my last we are, uh, <laughs> it's fine you don't want stalkers man that's right if anybody's you gonna get them up. it's gonna be the beauty yeah that's, that's what people like you know they just want to use you for your good looks your body they want to get they want to catch uh, nip slips as you get out of uh, vehicles at red carpet events. <laughs> so it's good to be careful. Can't wear clothes that are too tight. Pictures of a new moose knuckle and end up all over the internet. Yeah, man, that's embarrassing. They love you the one minute. They want to watch you fall the next minute. It's the life of uh, life of fame. That's right. I, uh, our regular listeners who know will know that we're like what a third of the way, third of the way on our voyage to hell, maybe slightly less than that. Slight, slightly less than that because I think think they're up to number eleven now, and this episode will be all about number three, hell Hellraiser three, Earth. hell on earth. Uh Again, we went through this last time, but here's your uh, one-sentence IMDb description. An investigative reporter must send the newly unbound Pinhead and his legions back to hell. Directed by uh, Anthony Hickox. Came out in 92. Anthony Hickox is a name I do not remember, but that doesn't mean anything. Let's see what he's done. He did play one of the soldiers in this movie, too. In the Oh, did he? In the flashback seeds. Yes, I did see that in the credits. I don't think he's done anything too remarkable here. I'm on Rotten Look at Tomatoes. Look well. credits and recognize. <laughs> one, not one other thing I recognize besides the Hellraiser name. Pensacola, I think that was a TV show. That sounds familiar. Warlock. I remember Warlock the Armageddon. I've never okay. seen it, but I remember seeing that back in the day. As we were talking about, uh, right before we started here, talking about seeing the, the cover 
of this Hellraiser movie. There's either the poster or the video box of it at Steve's World all the time, uh, back in back in the Mora days. And uh, I do remember Warlock the Armageddon being something too. That actually, I may have seen this. It was not. If I did see it, it was not memorable anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> still, pretty obscure. This director here. Yes. Still pretty obscure, and uh, generally we stream stuff. This time we had to go to physical media. Our audience members may remember physical DVD discs. I should have brought mine in here. I'd hold it up. The uh, I guess we could rent it, but uh, you got the uh, six six Hellraiser movie collection for like twelve bucks or something. Not a bad yeah. deal. Yeah. Thanks, Bezos. Yeah. Ends up being cheaper than renting it from Amazon one by one. So, uh, if you if you, you know, we uh, we'll we'll cover it in a bit. We both generally like this one, so uh, if you want to rent it, go right ahead. But that uh, that six disc collection is also available on Amazon. Yes, and all, it has parts. Looks like three through eight in it, so you can watch one and two for free uh, on lots of different places. But then the three through eight are not available at, uh, on uh, streaming services for free. So we made the the leap into buying the physical media, as rare as that is these days. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I left that behind a long time ago. It was a fun experience to like put a DVD into a, <laughs> into a player. <laughs> it's been a while since I did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did buy the eight movie friday the 13th collection as well when we started that but most of those i just watched uh since they were all available on the streaming services anyway but i did give jeffrey bezos some more money in buying the eight disc friday the 13th collection <laughs> again it was like 12 bucks yeah well let's uh let's do it this this movie takes uh well it, they don't even start with a recap but they they do tie into the at least the second one somewhat begins with a uh <laughs> at first Shape. i thought he was a pimp yeah kind of a he 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 leads the alternative lifestyle in almost the same way that frank from the first two leads leads an alternative lifestyle just kind of uh more of like a biker kind of kind of guy, uh, you know, muscle cars, whatever you want to call it, uh, some somewhere along those kind of lines. Just not not a not a business guy, but he's going to meet a shady art dealer who is going to sell him the pillar of uh, all of the Cenobites when they get locked in there from the end of episode two. Yeah, he uh, it's like a big rotating monolith towards of torture and agony. <laughs> yeah, it's got all their imprints. It's got Pinhead. It's got like the puzzle box imprinted in there. It's uh, you saw it in the second one. Those of you who watched it, and it it's kind of a, I, I, it's probably the worst scene in the movie. Um, just because the guy, the guy who played JP, was not a very good actor, but the guy who was like the shady art dealer, the guy he was buying the the monolith from, was even worse. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, how much you want for it? I don't know how much you're willing to give me. So he just hands him a stack of cash. He's like, oh, that's exactly what I was looking for. Then why didn't you just say that? <laughs> yeah, he was bad. And not the only bad actor in this one. But, uh, you know, it's 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 par for the course in horror. <laughs> that's why horror movies don't win Oscars. Yeah. So, yeah, JP, JP, we found out later, is like a rich, trust fund kid, douchebag. But, uh, yeah, he just... He pays cash for the for the the statue, the the pinhead statue or whatever. Um, that's the opening scene. Very short. He just buys that. Then they cut to uh, Joey, female Joey. She's a, a young, attractive, like noob newbie kind of reporter. Um, she's bummed out that she doesn't get any real news to cover. She was like stationed at the hospital, but it was a slow night at the hospital. Uh, so her cameraman, thought. yeah, so she thought. So she thought. Her cameraman gets called away to cover some other story. When so, uh, yeah, they they get a call about a hostage situation, and this is 1993, and he gets a call on a cellular telephone. Yeah, so he's big time. <laughs> you know he's big time. Yeah, so uh, his name's Doc. Doc, the cameraman. He'll be back, but he takes off. Uh, not long after that, like some bloody victim gets rolled into like the the ER on a stretcher. He's got chains attached to him, many chains hooked to his body. Uh, we all know what that's about. Joey, the journalist, does not. <laughs> no, and the guy as he gets wheeled by Joey, got cops a field quick. Yeah, he does. Gra- grab some bees there and. Uh, as the chains are dragging by, one of them actually hits Joey in the ankle and instantly cuts her ankle. Yeah. But you never notice that her ankle has cut the rest of the movie. No, it doesn't come up. I thought, y- you're right. I thought the same thing. Like, you know, blood usually triggers something in this. I thought that's what they were going for. Nope, she gets hurt, never addressed again. <laughs> well, she's even wearing a skirt most of the time during this movie, and you don't even see any remnants of any cut or anything. Right. <laughs> and this is all essentially taking place in three or four days, it appears to be. Yep. It's not like it's take you know, it's not like it's two months later there's still you know, that they're that they're trying to find figure out what's going on with this. Quality control, man. At least put a band-aid on it or something. That's or... right. <laughs> Ace bandages. Get some gauze on that shit. Yeah. But uh, she toughs it out, right? She uh, grabs her ankle for a moment, but then her journalistic uh, curiosity kicks in. She runs right into, like, the operating room. They don't even... (laughs) Nobody stops her. Well, no, they did stop her from going in there. They told told her she couldn't go in. You know, they they told her that she needed... Well, she, she opens the door, and they told her she couldn't come in in there. That's true. I guess she watches from, like, the... uh, the, the other door side window. of the door. Yeah. Yeah. The the chains like uh, start to uh kind of electrify like little jolts of energy going through them. They you know they straighten it out. They do the classic Hellraiser thing, they tighten, they start pulling on the guy's skin from embedded hooks all over him until he's basically explodes, ripped apart. Yeah. His <laughs> his heart rate shoots through the roof and and his head just explodes. And yeah, there's blood everywhere. 
And that's where we meet Terry, who was uh, the girl who helped the guy get into the hospital, but she didn't really know the guy. Yeah, they barely knew each other, which is, uh, I guess she's a good Samaritan. I, I don't know if I'd do that for someone I barely knew, but <laughs> I'd maybe pay for an Uber. I'm not going to take hey, them in my car. You have these demon chains that are hanging out all over you? Well, I don't think I'm going to quite uh, get too close to you, but, you know, I might might try to say words of comfort to you from far away. <laughs> right, right. You get blood all over my car seats. Don't even have a towel to put down or something. <laughs> Don't have the pickup truck to throw you in the back. Yeah. So <laughs> that's nice of Terry. What a what a wonderful woman. And although uh, it didn't doesn't seem like Terry really had a car anyway, because That's true. She's not exactly uh as the kids would say these days, living her best life. Yeah, she's uh, essentially homeless. So maybe she fireman carried this guy. Maybe Terry's the real hero of this show. Another prequel. How did Terry get guy? <laughs> How did Terry get generic man to the hospital? <laughs> Before his head exploded. Yeah, yeah. Without a car. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Uh, Joey, being the investigative journalist that she wants to be, decides that she is going to find track down Terry who we don't even, I, I guess we know her name, but we don't know much else about her. Uh, kind of says she met him out. She met this guy outside the boiler room as they're talking in the hospital. And uh, Joey tries to get more information out of her and she just leaves. And uh, then it cuts to the next scene, which is Joey going to the boiler room to try to get everything um well, I guess, no, they cut to her at the at the TV station because she's talking to them about what she saw at the hospital and goes like, oh, this is television. Pictures or it didn't happen. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is, he definitely feels threatened by Joey's uh, uh, journalistic knack and the fact that she's a woman. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, then she cuts out to the uh, head of the boiler room, which we find out is uh, like douchebag JP's bar. Like he just owns it. <laughs> bar, restaurant, concert hall. You... Yeah. Studio, studio apartment. <laughs> yeah, studio apartment. Sex dungeon. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. JP's got it at the boiler room. And we, uh, we see... Joey doesn't have the best journalistic sense at the moment. She uh, she just starts asking people for a pretty girl. <laughs> hey, have you seen a pretty girl? It's like this is a packed dance club. <laughs> it's, it's half the audience. But uh, does yeah. help her find Terry eventually. Yes, she eventually gets to, she gets pointed to, uh, well, the one thing that she did know was that this girl was somewhat involved with JP. So they pointed her, they pointed Joey along to JP, who is sitting talking with two other girls on his arms, essentially, uh, as Joey's trying to get information about Terry. But she doesn't even know Terry's name. But Terry is sitting at the bar and hears uh, Joey talking about that. So Joey leaves and goes home. 
And proceeds to have a nightmare. <laughs> yes, about her dad being left behind in Vietnam. <laughs> yes, her dad was wounded in Vietnam, and yeah, they're in an ambush. The helicopter's trying to land, and uh, all of the other soldiers that are with him get shot, but her dad is still alive, and the helicopter leaves and leaves them all just there. And uh, at that point, the phone starts ringing, which wakes Joey up. She finds out that it's the pretty girl with short brown hair that she was looking for, about yay tall, as she mentions, as she's looking for her at the boiler room. Uh, And Terry says she'll give Joey all the information she can for a place to stay. Yeah, again, borderline homeless. And uh, Joey, Joey agrees. It's uh, it turns into kind of a fun girls' night. They become like instant BFFs. <laughs> Joey, they're like opening their souls right away. Like Joey's talking about her uh, her Vietnam nightmare, or whatever that she had. Terry mentions she doesn't dream at all. I don't know. They're uh, Terry spills the beans. You know, tells Joey about you know how this how this kid died. She didn't really know him. He died from the uh, the puzzle box. And she has it right now. Like, this killed him. She just holds it out, gives it to Joey. Or, like, puts it on her shelf or whatever. So, I don't know. They're, uh, she's making progress in the investigation. They just hang out, become best friends. Then they cut to, uh, they cut back to JP, the douchebag. He's, uh... It's like later that night, he's uh, up in his penthouse with the uh, the 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 Hellraiser Cenobite statue, pissed off that there's like a hole in it all of a sudden, with noises coming out of it. So uh, what do you do in a horror movie? You stick your hand right in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> rat chomps down, bites him. He like flips out, shakes the rat off. If he's doing that, that causes blood to spray all over the statue, um, which of course it absorbs the blood. We all know it's gonna. We all know it's gonna happen. But uh, like Pinhead starts to uh, have a little eye movement. He blinks a couple times or something. Starts, starts to reanimate. Yes, and tells JP that he can have power and uh, pleasure beyond his wildest imagination if he helps Pinhead. Which uh, Joey JP decides that he's gonna pop a couple rounds into Pinhead, and he just spits out the bullets like they're nothing. Yeah, <laughs> he pulls a. Oh wait, that's not till later. Till he uh, he brings the, the the gal home home with him. When is that? Well, uh, that's right after he had the because he got he got intimidated by well because pinhead he pinhead said he wanted JP to help him, and that's when he shot he shot into pinhead. And he, he kind of said, uh, you know, oh, is that the gun you killed your parents with? So you already know that oh, yeah, JP is a murderer. And uh, basically says, yeah, you know, you, you, can, you can't hurt me, but you, you can help me. And, and, you know, you will be essentially given whatever you want as long as you help me. Yeah, that was another little, little tidbit that went nowhere. The, uh, the gun that you shot your parents with. I thought, like... You know, the, your protagonist is a reporter. Maybe that's like a side story, but nope, that, that never came up again. But, I mean, 
I guess that's not why we watch these. Probably got cut. There probably was something to do with that, but it probably got cut out of the final edits. Sure. Maybe it's in the uh, extended edition director's cut. Because at at the next point, it's JP is, uh, it's almost like the next night. And uh, JP is signaling to his to one of his bartenders to give this blonde girl a rose. <laughs> they start talking. She's super, you know, impressed that JP wants to give her a rose and uh, goes downstairs and they start boning. Yeah, boning hardcore. I love that pickup scene, right? Just cheesy. I, I forget exactly what he said, but, you know. It was you're... bad. I mean, again, yeah, it was you bad. don't. You don't watch horror movies for the acting. No, no real woman on earth would have uh, went home with JP with the lines he was doing. But of course, she's smitten with him like, oh, you you think I'm pretty? Yeah, you're the you're the prettiest girl in this room. Aren't you (laughs) JP Monroe? Yeah, I am. (laughs) Yes, bitch, I am. It's just awful. But yeah, they go have sex. Um, does it count as boobs? Did we see a nipple? I you was looking not, hard. Did not see a nipple. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, get, I would say no, probably not. Time to make a ruling. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. If uh, if there's no nipple, I, I don't think it counts but, as boobs. Yeah, I mean this this one has two of the three Bs in it, which I mean I guess with with the with the amount of of the two out of the three. I'm okay with the third one being missing. It's close. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's as close to the third B as you can get. We'll get we'll get it two and a half Bs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, then the. Yeah, they're go they're, ahead. They, I get yeah they're done they're done boning. She's kind of wandering around his his uh, little sex dungeon there and. Uh, Looks at gets uh, right next to the the statue, and Pinhead opens his eyes, and uh, she freaks out, and and uh, JP's kind of like, well, hey, no, this is not what we bargained for, whatever, and uh, yeah, Pinhead basically hooks her and eats her, rips her skin off, uh, grabs the <laughs> gra- grabs the body, her. Her skinless body gets hooked more and gets impaled into a hole in the Cenobite pillar, and she's gone. Yeah, it's a solid scene. Yeah, the the hooks just rip her outer layer of skin off, and they show her standing there, you know, almost like a uh, medical mannequin or whatever. Like, just muscle and under tissue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then she gets sucked into the into the statue. Although I loved, I loved the com- before that happens the conversation between her and JP. Like she's make trying to make small talk, like post sex small talk about his art. And he's clearly not interested, and he's just like, she's like, you don't want to talk. Like I'm just bored. Like get the fuck out of here. And she's like, but you gave me a rose. Who do you think you are? I'm J.P. Monroe. <laughs> I give lots of bitches roses. Yeah, tomorrow night I'll give another chick a rose. Like, yeah, and that's when she gets sucked into the uh, the statue and dies. <laughs> Classic douchebag. Quite, quite the last words. He ain't nothing special. Now die, bitch. Yep. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh yeah, Pinhead did give her a little uh or not her JP a little lesson on morality there. He had some line like uh like you enjoyed her, so did I. I forget the exact line, but it was something like that. And JP is like, you know, this this isn't the same. You know, you killed her. <laughs> I just killed her spirit. You killed yeah, her right, physically. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, I don't know, JP, JP is going to find more bodies or whatever for the statue, for Pinhead. And they, I think they cut back to Joey at this point. She's been, uh, she's tracked her investigating far enough to the, uh, is it Chenard Institute? Is that what it was called? Yep, yep, the Chenard video. Yeah, she needs the video footage from the Chenard uh, Mental Institute or whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, yeah so it's definitely the Chenard Institute for sure. I thought there was another. Two. So yeah, and she finds the curator for that and they... Uh, get the video footage which then you see kirsten from part two talking about how um you know how about about the cenobites and uh how it's all it's all true when they were locked in this pillar and uh they show the pillar and terry says oh hey i've seen that pillar that's in jp's room <laughs> yeah and uh again they're becoming Terry and uh, Joey are becoming best friends at this point. Like Terry's just like, "Hey, you know, you can stay here as long as you want. I got a spare I'll get bedroom. Job. Yeah. yeah, I'll get you a job." So you know, Terry thinks she hits it big. Really wants to help Joey out. You know, and that's then uh, JP. <laughs> yeah, J- JP but, ends up calling Joey's house because. Joey left business cards everywhere looking for Terry and Terry answers the phone and they have this whole little uh, conversation and it, all it reminded me of was the the song Jamie's Crying by Van Halen. Yeah. You know, like they're having their conversation and it's like, it, you know, she knows what love is for, you know, and but she knows what that'll get her. So she she continues this conversation with JP even though she knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, as soon, as soon as some other girl with slightly bigger boobs or anything like that comes along, she's pushed to the side again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, initially she's not going to help JP out. You know, she's teaming up with her new best friend, Joey, but does not last long <laughs> because like after they get off the phone, <laughs> doc, Doc calls up, like, leaves a message for Joey, Doc the cameraman, and just says, hey, you know, congratulations, you just got a, you got your new job in Monterey. And and Terry just flips, like, 180 degrees. She's like, fuck this lying bitch. (laughs) She meant full single white female on it. Yeah, we're not BFFs anymore. She immediately turns to JP and takes off. (laughs) Which is, that's a funny scene, too, because she goes to, she goes to JP's penthouse. Um, JP's just trying to, like, lure her there to get eaten by Pinhead. (laughs) But it's in such a funny way. He's, like, standing by the monolith as Terry's, like, crying on the bed. And he's just (laughs) just saying, like, hey, you know, you need a hug. 
And Terry's like, you know, I do. And like sticks her arms out, seated from the bed. And JP's just like, no, you know, the bed leads to sex. You come here and hug me. (laughs) Which is. Bed leads to sex. Statue leads to death. Yeah. And I don't want you around anymore. Right. And she, she almost does. She walks up to him. She's about to give him a hug. Gets like two feet away. Changes her mind. I forget why. Maybe she just knows hugging leads to sex, too. <laughs> Dancing leads to sex. But, uh, yeah, she backs off at the last minute. JP ain't having it. He grabs her, tries to, like, drag her over to the statue. Uh, she puts up a good fight. Won't budge. Eventually well, she, pulls out some brass knuckles. She she carried a guy to the hospital from the boiler room. So, That's I mean, you know true. she's going to put up a good fight. Fireman style. Yeah, yeah, she did. She and she clocks JP with some brass knuckles, knocks him over. Um, at that point, Pinhead just Pinhead has no allegiances here either. He just switches sides. Pin, Pinhead realizes who the real alpha is, and it's Terry. So yeah. he decides he's gonna yeah he's gonna put some hooks into JP and some spikes through his head. Yeah, he convinces Terry. Oh, this is where there's a hole in our uh, fireman's carry theory. Because he convinces Terry to uh, push JP's body to the monolith. And she really struggles at this point. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, at, at least the guy, when he was had all the chains in him and stuff, he was still conscious. JP was unconscious. So dead weight is a lot harder to move, even if they were about the same size. It's true. He's pure dead weight. Because he can't, he can't help himself, so... Uh, you know, and and once she actually was able to get the guy on her shoulders, then then it wouldn't be nearly as much. You know, it wouldn't seem as as much weight. Where she's just trying to slide right. JP across the floor. Right. Yeah. Lift with your legs, Terry. Yeah. Lift with got your friction. legs. Friction. Got friction of his of his jeans on the carpet. There. He's yeah. unconscious, so he's just dead weight. There's there's lots of reasons why she would struggle. She tries about five times before eventually, like, sitting on her butt and pushing him with her legs, her feet. That gets him. He, like, only has to roll over once, and he's close enough. And then uh, the pinhead monolith gets the statues into him and sucks him in right as he's waking up and gaining consciousness. He's dead. That's a pretty good one. And then uh, that, like, causes the monolith to, like, crack and break apart. And boom, Pinhead is freed from the monolith. Yep, just Pinhead. None of the other Cenobites yet. No yeah, Chompers yeah. or Slug or any of the others. Yep, just Pinhead. Which he has, ba- yeah, he's basically promised Terry now that she will take JP's place and will know uh, pleasures and powers beyond her wildest imaginations. And she's all for it because she just lost her best friend of a day and a half in Joey. They uh, they cut back to Joey again. She's having, I don't know if they're dreams or visions half the time, but uh, now it's kind of a combination of her dad in Vietnam and Pinhead's origin story, which we caught glimpses of in the last movie. Do they specify what war that is? Was that he's in a trench, which makes me think World War One, but uh, so the uniforms made me think World War Two. I don't know. 
Yeah, they didn't really specify. Although he, it did appear though too in in Hellraiser two that when he was um, opening up the puzzle box that it was also a desert. So that would also make me think World War Two. Yeah. So uh, you know, like the the North Africa style English stuff. So sure. that would make me think think World War Two as well. Um, but I I could probably get e- pretty easy clarification on that from one of my friends, but uh, <laughs> may- maybe for next week. Yeah, well, uh, it's not integral to the plot. We'll just say that. <laughs> well, it kind of is, but wh- I guess which war it, it is is not integral to the yeah, plot. Yeah, right. But, That's what I meant. But the the full vision of everything, yeah, kind of is. Yeah. Because she she gets yeah she gets a couple of, like hints earlier in the movie as well because as she's watching Kirsten talking about the the monolith and everything you just see the screen kind of go fuzzy and you hear uh, a voice come through that says she's right you know and then at at this point yeah you she kind of gets another little vision kind of thing and go to your window. And so she goes and opens up the windows and she sees into this bunker, tent, room, whatever, where, what was it, Captain Sutherland, I believe his name is? Elliot Spencer? Oh, yeah, it is. It's Spencer, yes. I don't know where I get Sutherland from. Elliot Spencer. But he's he's there and he's, uh, yeah, he's playing with the puzzle box and... She is able to walk through the window into the vision. And that's kind of where she uh, is given the idea that um, she needs to get Pinhead to come through the window in her mind. And that's where it kind of loses everybody. But uh, as far as what that actually means with that so yeah <laughs> it's pretty much the the end of the vision is they have a small co- you know they have a conversation and they talk about the other way to the way to get rid of pinhead who is him there uh is to yeah get get the the window he needs to enter the window of her mind so he can walk through so she can <laughs> kill him or send him to hell or whatever yeah it's pretty vague i didn't quite get the rules but uh apparently when uh, also kirsty like zapped him with the box in part two that kind of freed the the inner conscience of elliot spencer from yeah Pin- pinhead or something so yeah, he's, he's trying to work he's trying to work with the good guys yeah pinhead uh yeah apparently the evil side of pinhead has taken over the physical form of elliot spencer and when kirsty yeah zapped him with the box and put locked him in the monolith the evil part of pinhead hid away in that in that monolith and with the blood from jp's hand from his rat bite uh reactivated pinhead yeah also, for whatever this is worth, quick Google search claims it's World War One. I. I don't know. Okay. Don't know how accurate that is, but that's what Google says. 
So yeah, yeah. Elliot, uh, Elliot wants to help Joey use the puzzle box and a window to send Pinhead back to hell. That's where we're at here. Next, I believe, is my favorite scene in the whole thing. Back at the boiler room. <laughs> yes. Party, party's hopping at the boiler room. It's packed with the young people getting drunk, dancing. Uh, Pinhead emerges amongst a packed crowd. Just starts killing them all in a lot of fun ways. <laughs> Very yes. fun ways. This this is definitely shows why Hellraiser leads all of the series is with the body count. Yes, yes. <laughs> this this scene, this scene alone probably pa- passed most of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, it'd be hard to guess, but hundred, two hundred, three hundred. Who knows? It chaos ensues. Uh, the chains are are ripping people apart. You know, the doors lock on their own. Like ice, ice stabs people through the eyeballs. Uh, the, the my my favorite one is maybe the DJ <laughs> gets the C. Yeah, gets say and and they actually listed him as uh, DJ CD in the credits because he had uh, all of a sudden all of, he has a bunch of CDs start levitating and they all uh, smash into his head, killing him at once. Um, so. He's got lots of CDs sticking out of his head there. Yeah, and, and the worst part is, like, as chaos is going on and people are dying and the CDs start levitating around his face, he just kind of looks at him and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, he's probably on some sort of ecstasy or something. He probably thinks he's hallucinating. Yeah, Watching true. these CDs rise up above and chains ripping people apart. He's on a, he's on a bad trip. And then, yeah, he ends up dead with CDs... Uh, embedded in his brain yeah yeah the uh so every everybody in the club gets killed um joey joey is like laying in bed wakes up to see the new see it on the news or whatever you know massacre at the boiler room she knows exactly what's going on there this is pinhead related uh she calls doc says doc let's meet me down there you know we got to get this news story We'll document it. Yep. So we yep. can we can get this so I can become the number one news anchor. But turns out to be fake news. Even in nineteen ninety-two, fake news is going on. They uh <laughs> they show a close-up of her TV is actually unplugged. So this is like one of Pinhead's powers is to uh control unplugged televisions. Pinhead wants to lure her down there because, like, he needs the puzzle box to like, not die. <laughs> yeah, he he needs the puzzle box to to continue his wrath against humanity. Yep. So that's he's luring her down there. She goes down there, finds Doc's car. He got there first. Uh, there, you know, there are no police or EM EMTs or whatever there because uh, nobody knows about it yet. Uh, she walks in there. It's the whole room is covered in uh, floors covered in corpses. Walls are covered in corpses. Eventually, she stumbles on Doc's dead body. Does she? Well, yeah. Well, yes. Doc's dead. But well, okay. So you would think that you know, as a reporter, you walk into a room full, filled with a couple of hundred corpses now, with blood and body you know mangled body parts everywhere don't you think there would be some reason to call the police but instead you would think 
keeps she she walks over dead bodies and everything looking for Doc, who she eventually finds downstairs with his head in his lap and his camera affixed to his spine. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good gore. There's a lot of good gore in that scene. <laughs> she wants the scoop for herself, though. The uh, that greedy, greedy news journalist thing, where you want to get this before anybody else. That was that's probably why she didn't call anybody. She it's had gonna cost her. She had zero reaction to any sort. You know, like normally you would think if you saw something like this, though, too, there would be some sort of reaction. Because when the guy's head exploded at the beginning of the movie, she was almost throwing up in the hallway of the hospital. Yeah. But now she's walking by a hundred mangled corpses and has no reaction. Her her only reaction to it is to be pressing along to find a doc. Yeah, she she does handle it well. Like you said, you she there's barely room to step. And she goes through like an entire warehouse of dead bodies, you know, some hanging from chains, pretty horribly mangled and uh, doesn't really bother her till she finds a doc. (laughs) And yeah, she finds doc. Uh, You hear the camera like kind of zoom in on her, you know, so the pinhead now knows she is there. And at that point, you see Terry again, who has now become a Cenobite. Yeah, new Cenobites. Well, yeah, let's get to all of them. Let's get to all the new Cenobites. She, uh, uh, Pinhead appears, like, she she runs the hell out of there. She runs the hell out of the boiler room bar, but it gets d- followed by the, the new cast of Cenobites. Well, first she gets attacked by, like, power lines. <laughs> <laughs> like, the power lines co- come to life. It, this one kind of reminded me of Final Destination. Power lines come to life and, like, wiggle at her with electricity. Then, like, the fire hydrant starts shooting at her. And then they combine, so it's like electric water is pouring at her. She, uh, she, quick thinking, steps up onto the curb. (laughs) So the water can't get her. (laughs) That's where we see the new cast of Cenobites, which were, uh, half cool, half kind of funny and goofy. Yeah, I definitely think that they were going for yeah, more goofy and funny with with the new ones. Yeah, because uh yeah, there's there's uh Terry Cenobite, which is just like Terry, but they shaved her head and like put some wires and shit coming out of her face. There's Doc, the cameraman Cenobite. Who has a camera lens for an eye at this point. <laughs> and just uses like bad eighties catchphrases like you ready for your close-up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It definitely, the this final scene almost seemed more like a slapstick comedy than a it horror. It did. It did. They, like, took a, they took a hard ride here. And they're like, let's just inject rat, wacky comedy. Because the CD, DJ CD guy comes out. He's got like CDs eject from like a car CD port in his chest. And he'll pull them out and throw them like ninja stars. <laughs> This flamethrower guy, I don't even remember who he re- was originally, but... I don't now either. He, now he shoots fire out of his mouth. Spray, yeah, sprayed. So, yeah, so she's, of course, now they're out in the streets. She gets the gets away from the power lines. She's running away from the new Cenobites. 
as she's running, she runs into a guy and she's like, oh, hey, let's, you know, let, let's, let's go or whatever, you know, this way, this way. And the guy's like, huh, what do you mean? And he turns around and Cenobite Doc is there and Doc's eye socket just ejects the lens through the guy's head. So then you can see through the guy's head now to, to, tear, to uh, Joey behind there, freaking out again, starts to run away again. Uh, that yeah, then the cops show up, and that's where uh, flamethrower Cenobite throws gasoline all over the cops as they're shooting at these Cenobites who are not doing any bit of harm to them. And uh, yeah, the guy breathes fire out of his uh, out of his mouth, lighting up the gasoline, which causes the cars to instantly explode. Yes, <laughs> which again wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, they just explode with like the cops standing there dumbfounded as what to do as they, you know, dude shoots fire at them. Yeah, and then the, the whole thing just goes up in flames. Yeah, the the guy the guy throws gasoline all over them and Terry start or not Terry, Joey starts to run away and then he breathes fire and the cops are just like, oh, I guess gasoline and fire make a good mix. Let's watch our cars explode as we're standing behind them for as shields. Yeah. Again, quality control. Come on, guys. We can do better than that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, Joy just takes off running at that point as the cops are burning. She ends up in a uh, like a church, like a Catholic church. This is an interesting scene, interesting addition to the movie. I, I did I did enjoy this part, yes. Yeah, the, uh, the priest comes out. The rest of the church is empty. Priest comes out, you know, like, what's the matter, dear? And she's talking about the demons. The demons are coming. We have to stop them. And he's just like, "Oh, demons aren't real. They're just they're just metaphors from the they're, Bible." Yeah, they're parables to teach you life lessons. And she just points at the door and goes, well, "Then what the fuck is that?" Yeah, yeah. As Pinhead, As Pinhead enters, walks in. <laughs> yeah. Pinhead like then he Pinhead melts the the priest cross like in his hand. Um. Then he like pulls a couple of the whatever nails or skewers out of his head and shoves them into his hand and does like a, uh, a crucifixion reenactment up at the uh, the pedestal, the altar. What yeah, he also it? yeah he also does a communion as well because he's like, oh, this is my blood, this is my flesh, and like rips a piece of his own flesh off and sticks it in the priest's mouth. Yeah, yeah, they were they were going hard at. Uh, catholic church in, in this scene <laughs> yeah the wind you know the the stained glass windows all explode in uh the entire uh dais there that or altar whatever you want to call it at the front of the church where pinhead was standing with like jets of fire not just candles like jets of fire coming out of it the whole thing melts and that's when the the priest has had enough and he's gonna go attack pinhead who then performs his communion ritual on him. Uh, which, and... which I liked, but again, it seems like another missed opportunity. Like, I thought that would do something to the priest. Like, he just makes the priest eat part of his own, uh, part of the Pinhead's body. He just put it in his mouth. He didn't even make him eat it, because after yeah. Pinhead leaves, he, like, digs it out of his mouth and spits it out. Yeah, and then you never hear from him again. Like, I thought he'd turn into some monster or something, some abomination. Or or kill him, yeah. Or or he just yeah. Or he just like you know destroys his, his diet. But no, he just 
uh, Joey like taunts Pinhead with the puzzle box, take gets his attention and takes off running. That's the last we see of uh, of the priest. Yep. Now she yeah she keeps running and running and running. She ends up in a construction site, which we are pretty much getting to the end of the movie here. Yeah, uh, construction site with uh, Terry like, and JP. Yeah, Cenobite JP is there. <laughs> Cenobite Terry. They just like start kind of molesting her. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> try to escape anymore. They just start like rubbing up against her body until Pinhead arrives uh, with uh, like Doc, the cameraman, the CD guy, Flame guy. They're all there. You think you think Joey's doomed? Nope. It's going to be quite easy, actually. She just opens up the puzzle box, uh, sucks them all inside. That seems easy enough. Except for Pinhead. Yeah. Yep. Pinhead has escaped the the wrath of the puzzle box now. But she she ends up folding the puzzle box into the same dagger, knife, whatever you want to call it, that... uh, Ended up in part two, and she stabs Pinhead with it. Yeah, stabs him with the yeah the uh, the pointy version of the puzzle box. Well, she um, she did she did have the vision there too. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Because she she did have the vision uh, of a, after after sucking in all of the other Cenobites that uh, there there was she had the vision. Of her being back in World War One or whatever, or I, no Vietnam because it was her dad, and she gave him the puzzle box. And as soon as that happened, she t- it turned into Pinhead. Yeah, that's right. How how she managed to wrestle that away because Pinhead basically says, "Yeah, you're you think your mind is closed to me when you're sleeping? Ha ha ha! I knew all about those dreams, and I'm the one that gave you the vision to have to." To give you know your dad the puzzle box because now it's mine. Yeah, Pinhead's about to like stab her with a. He's just got a knife on his belt when uh, when Elliot Spencer appears and confronts Pinhead. It's like the the two forms of Pinhead slash Elliot. And uh, yeah, Joey Joey does get hung from the ceiling a bit, like from the chains. There's like a weird torture worm. It comes out of the floor. I'm not sure where they're going to this. Like, it just bursts out of the floor beneath her, opens its mouth, like, sticks out a, uh, a like, a, almost like a blender rotating sharp apparatus. Like, it's almost going to get her, but uh, Elliot, Elliot Spencer distracts Pinhead enough. Oh, I think Elliot just knocks the box out of Pinhead's hand. That's what happens. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, which causes the like the worm to go away. It causes the chains to release Joey. Um, Pinhead does not like that at all, though. He like absorbs Elliot into his body. But, but while he's doing that, Joey picks up the box, forms it into the knife, which ends up cutting her hand or something like that on it as well. Yeah, and then stabs Pinhead, and he goes to hell. Yep, Pinhead goes to hell. She uh, she takes the puzzle box out to the construction site. There's some wet cement, slow drying cement, apparently. Uh, absolutely, because this happens in the dark, and uh, 
Most of the time, you don't leave concrete not scent like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still very moist after at least many many hours. <laughs> she just yeah, she sticks the puzzle box in, where we can only assume no one will ever find it again, and the world will be safe from the Cenobites. Uh, the end. <laughs> Roll credits. Yeah, they did have like a pretty pretty terrible like. 80s style rock and roll Hellraiser song. Did you listen to that? I did not. It was bad. I wouldn't recommend it unless you want to experience how bad it is. <laughs> I'm sure we somebody can find it on YouTube. I yeah. mean, it it can't be any worse than uh, Dragon Sound from uh, Miami Connection. Right, right. Because everybody knows that. Everybody knows Miami Connection. If you don't, you should. Yeah, get your tickets now. <laughs> I would honestly, I would go see Dragon Sound if, if if there was like a Dragon Sound tribute band, I would go see it. Absolutely, I would go see it. <laughs> How could you not? Oh, I'll well, check the tour dates. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check for Dragon Sound tribute band playing at our local uh, local bar. Yeah, well, that's probably about it. So we uh, I mentioned briefly we like this one. I'll say it again. This is this is closer to what I imagined the Hellraiser series would be like when we uh, when we dove into this. A little more, the Pinhead is a little more evil. He wasn't so like just this neutral entity that gets summoned by the box. He was really trying to be evil in this one. Well, and and he was prevalent. Yes, and that. You know, I mean. You can't really have a face of a movie, uh, you know, like it's a, it's a horror movie and this is the only real main memorable character from your horror movies and he really doesn't do any of the killing. And and, and that's where the biggest I guess misses in my opinion with the first two movies would be. Yeah, Pinhead's almost like a tertiary character in the first movie. Their ter- ter- tertiary force he just kind of shows up at the end. So yeah, it was nice to have him, uh, you know, involved and wreaking havoc throughout the whole thing. Yeah, you can't. I mean, yeah. Imagine if I mean everybody complain. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but people complain about the original Friday the Thirteenth when it was not Jason doing the killing and how bad it. You know, it was just not a not good movie and everything. Well, that's kind of you know, true. It is it, true. I mean, I enjoyed the first Friday the Thirteenth movie, but it is true that I mean, you can't have a slasher movie or a you know or a monster movie. You can't have a main character that's not involved in the movie. <laughs> I, I don't. Then if they're not involved in the movie, they're not a main character. But that's who the fans want to see, man. Yeah, but you know, you look at you, you know. The posters for Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2, they are pinhead. Yep, exactly. That's why I was annoyed with, like, uh, Prometheus, which I thought it was a decent sci-fi horror movie. But I want to see the alien, man. That's <laughs> I'm going there to see the alien. Yeah, <laughs> you're going there to see the xenomorphs. You don't care about... I mean, I guess, though, too, there are stuff where it is kind of almost more of like the struggle of of mankind but you know that's 
you're getting into Terminator Salvation area there, which was right. by far the worst of the Terminator movies. Yeah. I get you the know, temptation for directors, but I, I don't need like grand messages on society. I just want, I want to see the xenomorph inner jaws exploding through someone's skull. That's what I want to see. want to see people getting their chest bursted open. Damn I right. I want to see face huggers hugging faces. Yes, exactly. So yeah, yeah that that applies to all this. I'm sure I'm sure the fans were appreciative that that Pinhead was kicking ass most of this movie. Uh, although I mean it really doesn't seem like it because I mean this got 40% uh, of a 40% of a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 35% audience score. Interesting. And well, and I'm... and to me this was the best of the three so far. Uh, it had 5.5 on IMDb. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Also, this is the the best so far. Uh, although here's here's a, almost a perfectly good critic uh, review from uh, Jack Yeovil at Empire Magazine because this would almost perfectly sum up what we've been saying too. Gone is the confusion of the earlier films, and mercifully gone is the waffling metaphysics of the second film. Instead, there are surprisingly careful characterizations and good, creepy, squishy horror stuff. Yeah, I'm with that guy. And he gave it a three out of five. (laughs) And yeah, another guy here. Forget the disastrous Hellbound Hellraiser 2. This is adult horror to die for. Yeah, see, I think I think this is the best one so far. So I mean, and honestly, they 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 didn't they didn't show enough uh, deaths really to really have a favorite, because I mean, most of the deaths came in the one scene, and we didn't really see a whole lot of it. Yeah, but if I had to pick one, it would be the guy getting the camera lens shoved through his forehead. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll go with I'll go with uh, DJ guy getting sliced by his own CDs. <laughs> 1993 and he's getting killed by CDs. What uh, what were your thoughts on the new Cenobites and no appearance at all of the uh, the regular Cenobites? Um, I mean, it, it certainly seemed like uh, the other Cenobites were maybe left behind in hell. I mean. It, Again, this one kind of seemed like it wanted to focus more on uh, Pinhead and Pinhead being evil. So while I missed the Chatterer and Slug and whatever the other one's names are, I'm okay with them adding more because, I mean, the, the best part about having more villains is just having more villains. There are There's more opportunity to you know you aren't going through the same thing over and over and over again same reason why the puppet master movies are be are on what like nine or ten or something like that because they have a variety of you know of evil puppets that are that are doing the killing in various ways where you know child's play was pretty much you know worn out after the second one even though people still are creeped out by Chucky dolls and everything. And there is actually a new series, Child's Play series there. So it 
it keeps it fresh. So I, I'm I'm all for the extra centibytes. Yeah, I uh, and I like that they were more at least somewhat more effective. Like the the regular cast of centibytes kind of just stumbled around and and reached for. <laughs> reached for the protagonist in like the first two movies really slowly and not very effectively um it, yeah at least in this one they were they're were killing street people and they're blowing up cops and stuff and actually seemed like they were doing some damage so that was also nice yes yeah i mean to, yeah it, it, the cenobites weren't the evil people i mean it weren't weren't really the even the villains in the first two movies i yeah. mean it, in the second one, yes, because Dr. Shenard becomes a Cenobite there, and he's pretty evil with stuff that he's trying to do. But for the most part, it was what Julia that, that was doing all the killing between yeah. the first two movies. Yep. So, no, it's much better to see um, a horror movie that has actual, you know... Uh, faces that you can put to the horror um i'm slightly looking ahead to part four at least the cast of part four i don't see any hint that uh, any of these new cenobites will be back oh wait based on the description is this one in the future this one may be in the future oh boy did they go to space yeah this one the the description says in the 22nd century a scientist attempts to right the wrong his ancestor created, the puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleashes Pinhead and his Cenobite legions. So uh, this one is in the future. I guess Cenobites don't have to worry too much about time, so they could have been back, but I don't I don't see, like, CD guy or... Uh... Again, it almost looks like it's pretty much just uh, Pinhead. Now yeah, yeah. Is... It's like either going to be just Pinhead or uh, maybe some new Cenobites, but we'll find out. I do see Adam Scott. Adam Scott's in the cast, very recognizable. Yeah. People people probably don't know him by name, but uh, he's a very recognizable guy in a lot of comedies. Derek from Step Brothers. Yeah. Will Farrell's older brother. Yeah, Catalina Weinitzer. Actually, actually, I don't even know if he was the older brother. <laughs> it just it it does it doesn't really specify. It just says it's his brother. So it wouldn't Yep, just brother. So all right, yeah. Well, when you run out of ideas, which apparently it's only four movies in, you go to the future. Yeah, go to outer space. space. (laughs) You got to have one of those in every long-lasting horror series. Yeah, I mean, we we still haven't we haven't even got to the Leprechaun series yet because they had Leprechaun in space. (sighs) Looks like Joey. Joey is also not back, so uh, that would make sense, being hundreds of years in the future. Yeah, it's kind of hard for her to stay alive that long. Well, any, I don't know, final thoughts on Hellraiser 3? Favorite thus far? Anything else? Uh, nothing else that I can think of right now. 
Yeah, good. I mean, good gore. If if people are interested in this, I recommend this one. It had lots of lots of good kills. Made made a lot more sense than part two. Certainly more action. It was a it was a solid movie. I liked this one. And and it seems like we are uh, along the lines of most other people as far as parts one and two not really making a a, a ton of sense about every about everything that's going on. So yeah. <laughs> I, I feel I feel good about that because that you know that makes it a lot worse if everybody's like oh this is the greatest movie ever and and, and we're just like oh, we don't really get it <laughs> I didn't get where they were going yeah so we've been validated we're not thanks internet yeah it's always good to get validation from the internet yes <laughs> oh no uh this uh, oh. this one of these people no one one of these people in in uh, in Hellraiser four was also in the movie Twin Sitters with the Barbarian Brothers. You remember that one? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> Plenty to look forward to then. Peter and David Paul. So I w- I wonder if they're related to Logan and Jake Paul. Maybe these are their parents. Well, it could be one of them, yeah. Peter Paul and his twin brother David were born in Hartford, Connecticut. They are both professional bodybuilders and have been known as the Barbarian Brothers. He and David are both actors and producers known for twin sitters, the Barbarians, Think Big, and Natural Born Killers. What? They were in Natural Born Killers? Oh, they're the Hun Brothers. They're, apparently their scenes were deleted in in that. So, no. Oh. One of them was in an episode. Oh, they were both in the ep- in an episode of Night Rider from 1984. Yes, Miss Night Rider. Uh, they were in the In Excess Devil Inside movie, The Road Raiders. Man, the <laughs> Barbarian Brothers were big. The last the last time they did any acting was in t- 2013. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I was going to say, they're they're the kind of people we could meet at like a horror convention next year's Crypticon or something. (laughs) I don't even think they're that worthy of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's going to wrap up our uh, discussion here on Hellraiser 3 and the rabbit hole of the Barbarian Brothers. Yes. What you got going on besides, I mean, you know, you got your comedy show. Oh, by the time this comes out, comedy show will have happened already. Yeah, it will have happened yesterday. I'm going to go ahead and say it went great. <laughs> it was a fantastic show. Lots of people sold out, <laughs> sold out the room. Yeah, crushed it. Everybody was hilarious. Everybody had a great time. Outside the, of uh, that, I don't know. I, I, haven't had too much going on this week. Had a little comedian get together on Sunday. I drank uh, drank too much. That like happens quite a bit. I had too many Negronis, which is uh, I was trying to be fancy and drink cocktails, and it backfired. Ooh. Negroni is like equal parts gin, vermouth, and Campari, so it's kind of just straight alcohol. And then you mix it with like an orange wedge. And I was just, uh, I, 
I thought, pacing myself well during the conversation. <laughs> then you get to that point where it's just like, oh, I need to, I need to get <laughs> out here before I vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I did not throw up, but uh, I felt pretty bad the rest of the night. Yeah, only uh, I've only I've only had one uh, instance of uh, drinking to the point where uh, I've I've thrown up, and that was not a good night. So. Luckily, I, I was with uh, comedians, so they're all substance abusers, so you don't get judged too much. But you know, right? But it'd be mean, fun to hang out. Only only if it was uh, you'd only get judged if it would have been off of the first one. Yeah, right. That's who they are. <laughs> when? How long ago was it when you got so drunk you vomited? Uh, half a lifetime ago. Yeah, so I would no. guess that. I I think I think I was what would I have been twenty three at the time, so almost half a lifetime ago. Yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's let's just say that. Uh, it is not a wise idea to uh, try to drink a liter of Bacardi by yourself. <laughs> I could have guessed. Life lessons, kids. Life lessons. There you go. Take it from us. We should mentor children. <laughs> we get some good advice. Don't uh, don't drink like I had probably at least two mason jars full of negronis so don't do that either children yeah that that would be that's a lot yeah so yes kids. yes leader leaders of bacardi are not meant to be drank in one night <laughs> what do you have going on or coming up anything uh i guess by the time this comes out i will be on vacation um i don't know where i will be because i don't think i'm going anywhere um i don't know we're in november in minnesota so the weather doesn't really like to cooperate likes to do its own thing so otherwise i would have if the weather would have cooperated, I probably would have been at your comedy show and been able to, to cheer you on. But it doesn't yeah. sound like it's going to. It's looking pretty bad right now. I'm a little worried, but at least people in town don't have far to go. Yeah. Oh, and, and you just have to get there. So, because, you know, you can, if you need to, you can stay at your mom's there for the night. Right. So... You can get there, but I would have to get there and get back home or somewhere else right, that same yeah. night. So, or or stay in a hotel. So, it's not looking super promising, but I won't no. uh, won't rule it out until I see the final weather reports for Friday. Sure, I get it. I. Uh... <laughs> I was bummed when I saw the weather forecast. You always want everything in your favor when you're doing a show. So, yeah, for sure, especially something. Yeah, when you're when you're traveling. I mean, if you were just doing your show in Duluth where you're at, then that wouldn't be a big, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world with the weather. But yeah, you're driving what? It's an hour plus there to get to Brainerd. It's like two. Is it two? Okay. Yeah. I suppose you got to go that far south and then cut across. Yeah. 
because I think, yeah, I think it's two and a half to Brainerd from where I live here in Lakeville, but it's only like three hours to Duluth. <laughs> but it's also a lot easier because if you just take the take 35 up there yeah but uh i might we'll see how things work out but i might uh this weekend is the brothers war you might do it i i don't know that i will probably buy a a pre-release kit and just open it for fun but there's not really like looking through the cards. There's not really anything I need, and I've been trying to cut down on my clutter of stuff that I'm not using. So, as much as I want to, I also don't want to for that reason. So, um, I have seen some of the collector boxes opened with the Transformers cards in there, and they look pretty cool. But again. I don't know that I, I might buy a pack of it and, and call it good there and then just buy whatever I decide I want to get from those. Huh. I haven't even seen I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen the Transformers or even looked at the uh, <laughs> the set list. <laughs> yeah, mythicspoilers.com. I think it was where I looked at stuff. So Okay. They have they have everything. Everything is um the entire set is released now, so you can see every card in the set. Except they didn't, they didn't have the Transformers cards when I was looking at that. So those are only in the collector packs, anyway. I believe. I wonder, like, do you know the details on those things? Like how that works? That seems like a lot of money to buy these like special IPs for for like one off. You know, I don't even know how to make like six or eight cards or something. There's a bunch of them, but. Um... Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro, so they don't have to buy it. Because Transformers is owned by Hasbro. They own that already? Well, what about the yeah. other ones? Like, all the <laughs> past secret layer stuff. Like, I don't know. Godzilla Wa- yeah, Walking, or... Walking Dead. Um, Godzilla probably... Things. Yeah, Godzilla probably wasn't that much to, to get because it's a pretty... Um... <clears throat> generic uh you you know like they they get all of um like the old warner brothers monster movies and stuff like that they're all bundled together so they got all of the dracula stuff and all of the godzilla stuff they only had to buy that once but things like walking dead stranger things those are probably a little bit more expensive but they're also know that uh you know they pay you know couple couple thousand you know ten thousand dollars whatever who knows what it is they're gonna sure. at least be able to uh probably make that money ten times over if you could uh like request an ip for an upcoming set for something like that what would you pick boy um i don't even know maybe something (laughs) don't mean to spring it on you um i i would say why not we'll go with it we'll go with an easy one because it would just be kind of fun 
but uh, the Expendables. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Stallone. Well, I mean, but I mean, look at who's been in those movies, though. You know, I mean, Harrison Ford. You know, you got you got Stallone, you got Statham, you you got Terry Crews, Jet Li, Wesley Snipes, uh, Mel Gibson. Oh, you know, yeah. Ar- Arnold, Bruce Willis, Harrison Ford. You, you know, so they uh, was it Randy Couture, Ronda Rousey, uh, Chris or not Chris Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, uh, Antonio Banderas. I mean, like, look at the the images that you you know that that you get with that, the names that you get with that, and that would be kind of ridiculous. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny, or just like a wrestling one would be pretty wacky. <laughs> The other problem is, is yeah, they would they would have a, I think a little bit of trouble squeezing wrestling characters. I mean, they they managed with Street Fighter characters, I guess. So, yeah, I I, I guess they could get wrestling characters in there, but they would probably have to pay a lot more. They would probably have to pay WWE a lot of money for those. Yeah, I'm sure that one would not be cheap. So, how about you? I mean, I guess you kind of said wrestling, but... Um, I mean, that was just playing off of yours, but I think those would be pretty wacky. It depends how serious I was about it. Like, I'd love to see some, uh, I don't know, Lord of the Rings would be fun. Garbage Pail Kids. (laughs) Garbage Pail Kids would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll attack you with my atom bomb. A block with my pat splat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it depends if, if I'm going serious or just kind of wacky angle. Garbage yeah. pills, garbage pill kids would be a good wacky angle. And I, well, I, yeah, garbage pill kids was tops, and they just sold everything to fanatics. So I don't know how easily that license would be to to be able to to get. But yeah, that would be kind of funny. Because they had they had one of the they had the artist that does all the garbage pail kids do a bunch of uh, wrestling cards that were um, I guess individually produced like sketch sketch cards that sell for ridiculous amounts of money, but they're all <laughs> you know they're all single pieces so there there's only one version you know there's only one of the Undertaker available for for that so oh wow. But yeah, I, I guess yeah, that would be <laughs> garbage pill kids would be would be funny too, yeah. Or yeah, are we, I mean we've talked about like the Friday the thirteenth, just just a lot of these big name horror movies, you know? Pinhead. <laughs> yeah. Oh this yeah, the Cenobite Secret Lair. <laughs> yeah, Cenobite Secret Lair, Xenomorph. I'd love like some xenomorphs. But yeah, I, I mean like I said, I know the yeah, the old was it Warner Brothers or whatever um horror universe monster universe was essentially packaged together so they get all of the dracula stuff and frankenstein and wolfman and all of the godzilla stuff is all packaged together if i remember correctly okay huh i mean i like that they do it i it's kind of fun to get some wacky ips involved in magic I'd like to yeah. see more that that I'm into. A lot of them have not been ones that I'm into, but uh, you know, I'm sure other people are really into them. Yeah, I, I, I guess 
Rudy from Alpha Investments kind of said it the best, though, with that, uh, with them putting Transformer cards in there. It's like, who the fuck is asking for this shit? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like nobody looks at Magic the Gathering and says, hey, you know what would be great in there? Robots that transform into cars. Yeah, yeah, that's why... <laughs> That's why when I said, like, being serious, I think Lord of the Rings would fit the theme well. But, yeah, because, yeah, Transformers is just so off-brand. Off <laughs> yes. Yes, but, again, it's it's an IP that they don't have to pay for. Right. I also, well, actually, I don't remember whether, I think Mattel still owns the Masters of the Universe stuff, so they can't put He-Man in there yet. <laughs> See, that'd be pretty fun. Like, yeah, like a like a He Man set would be would be fun. But uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that they that that Hasbro does not own the license to to that, or you know, GI Joe. If Hasbro wants to uh, contact us, reach out to Beauty and Diggy's podcast for ideas. We would be willing to talk to them. Hell yeah. We'll, we'll be we'll be special magic IP consultants. Yeah, I'm googling real quick. No, but yeah, I might I might go do the pre-release this weekend. We'll we'll see how uh, how bored I get because there's there's multiple events that that run between Friday, which I don't even have to work on Friday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, I know the Vikings play on Sunday, so I probably won't go on Sunday. But uh, Friday, Saturday might be a, a chance to actually get out because I think they could, I think they start the first event at three o'clock at the at the store that I would play at. So if I don't if I don't go to comedy shows, it will be it. That's a possibility to play at the three o'clock event. Yeah, I know I keep saying I want to go to these, and I really do. And I just, I know it won't be this weekend because I'm going to have two shows, which is going to make me want to just sit around and do nothing the rest of the weekend. <laughs> but I really, I really do want to get back into pre releases. I, I used to have a good time. Yeah. I think the next one is in, after this one is January. It's either January or February, and it's going to be uh, Phyrexia United or something like that. So, yes. Love me some Phyrexia. But yeah, I guess I don't really have anything else more beyond that. How about you? No, that's it. Show's coming up. Um, that's all I'm focused on. After that, a bit of a break for the holidays. I'm trying not to schedule too much around end of uh, November and December because I'm sure I'll be really busy. And probably, I, I imagine most people are too. I guess I don't know for sure, but I would... I would guess that's not the best time to schedule a comedy show, but I could be completely wrong. I've never tried it. The yeah, the only thing would be is if people just need to uh, get away from the the holiday shopping and, and you know and everything like that for a couple of hours. But I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I spent many, many, many years working retail. And uh, just being able to get away from eight hours of Christmas music a day was very helpful. 
<laughs> sure. I can see that. <laughs> yes, especially when it's the Christmas music that stores play because it wasn't ever anything good. Oh, yeah. And it's about a two and a half hour loop. So you'd hear the same song sometimes three times in a day. Yeah, over and over. Yeah, for six weeks. <laughs> so, yes, that that that's the other that's the other advice that I have for for the the children out there is avoid working retail unless you like bad Christmas music. We can, if I remember, we can start like a kids advice segment every <laughs> every episode. <laughs> kids don't uh, don't drink a bottle of uh, rum. Don't drink two mason jars of Negronis. Don't work retail during Christmas. <laughs> Yes, we we can we can make a list. We should we shouldn't make a list on on a blog. Yeah, I keep adding to it. Yes. So I well yeah I think this is going to be the end of episode. I'm I'm calling this one episode forty one. We might have skipped one a number in there, but I'm going to call this one forty one. Sure. We're at the end of episode forty one. We watched Hellraiser part three. Hell on Earth or whatever it was called. I think it was Hell on Earth. Yeah. For next week, we are watching Hellraiser 4, which is, I believe, Bloodlines. Correct. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week with more great uh, information from The Beauty and DeGeast, the podcast where we watch movies so you don't have to. Bye, folks.